chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You might be saying, what the heck does he have a fire extinguisher on the podium for? Great question. Hopefully you're thinking that. Well, it definitely gets your attention. Start wondering, what's going on? What's happening? title of the message tonight is Attention Getter. And with so many different things going on in your individual life that I don't know about, and the things that are going on in my life that you don't know about, The thing that the Lord put on my heart is some of the things that we deal with and are we dealing with them and looking at them with the right perspective. This message was not developed because of the fire that hit two of our brothers and sisters. Kate and Josh. This is not why we have a message that has some fire in it. But at least I think three people, them and I, will be blessed by the message. And hopefully you will too. Fire. Negative and positive. Fire can destroy. It can maim. It can disfigure. It can cause pain. The positive part, of course, it can bring light, warmth, and comfort. Either way, it'll get your attention. Something about fire that just draws our attention. Turn to Daniel chapter 3, verse 23. Remember that the Old Testament has so many object lessons of the principles that are in the New Testament. And we want to look at a couple of those examples tonight and apply them to where you and I are today. So Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 23 to 30. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The king 
Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego came from the midst of the fire. The satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. Their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What... An attention-getter, that fiery furnace must have been to those three guys. I cannot even imagine what was going through their mind and their heart at the time they were confronted with this situation. Well, in looking at this situation tonight, as always, we need to take a look at you and I in these situations and how it applies to us. Now, one of the things with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were the names given to them by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. That was not their Jewish names. And what's so awesome about the Old Testament so many times is that God gives names, again, geared to the personality and characteristic of those people. Shadrach's name was really Hananiah. And Hananiah means God has favored. Meshach's birth name was Mishael, which means who is what God is. And Abednego was Azariah, whose name means Jehovah has helped. So you have God has favored, who is what God is, and Jehovah has helped. Now, the Babylonian names. Shadrach, royal, great scribe. Meshach, guest of the king. Abednego, servant of Nebo. Names were changed by the world. 
But these were three young men of God who would not partake of the things of the world. They were God's kids, just like you and me. They weren't perfect, but they were God's kids. Hananiah, God has favored. Well, God has shown favor on you and me, hasn't he? He has revealed to you and I his son. He has taught us about his grace and his mercy. Through good times and bad, we know he's there. He surrounded us with brothers and sisters of same spirit. He can get us out on the middle of the week, on a Wednesday night, 7.30, even though we're yawning, feeling comfortable and warm and feel like falling on a rug. He's here and he's working. Mishael, who is what God is, how we long and depend on the Holy Spirit to make us imitators of Jesus, to be like Jesus. As a basketball coach, I know those years Michael Jordan played. Remember the commercial? I want to be like Mike. Well, our heart's desire, of course, is we want to be like Jesus. Azariah, Jehovah has helped. And boy, I'm sure each of you could come up here tonight and tell the things that the Lord has helped you through in the past, is helping you through at the present, and that you know will get you through in the future. What a great story. What a great truth we see in the pages of Scripture that were just read. Now, the application, verse 23 through 30. Notice that the three guys in verse 23 were bound. They were tied up by the strongest men in the king's army. I'm sure they had rope burns, bruises, as they were tied together to be thrown into this furnace. But the important thing for you and I is tonight to ask, what is the fiery furnace that we're going through right now? That you feel bound in? What is it that's binding you right now? Verse 24, the king was astonished when these men fell into the fiery furnace because he knew they threw three guys in. And some of his own men, as they were being brought to be thrown into the fiery furnace, died because of the degree of heat that was coming off the furnace that was stoked Several times hotter because of the fury of the king. He was so upset at these guys that they would not bow down to an idol. They would rather die and be with the Lord than to bow down to the king and the idol that he made. Verse 25. 
The king goes, look, I see four men in there in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Interesting thing here that's going on. Number one, remember they went inbound. When they were in the fiery furnace, they were not, were not bound anymore. The thing that was binding them was left. So it is with you. If you just look at past fiery furnace situations that you've been in, you're here tonight. It did not destroy you. Many times the fiery furnace that we're in is the very thing that we need to loosen us, to set us free from what's been binding us. One of the reasons that takes place, and we can apply this to anything. It can be to a physical fire, like happened to Josh and Kate. It can be to an illness, a cancer. It can be to an accident. It could be financial problems. You can apply this to anything because that's the fiery furnace that we all experience at one time or another on this earth. Well, the second thing that happens is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were in the fiery furnace, something awesome took place. They were more aware and they saw Jesus. It wasn't until they were in the fiery furnace that they were really aware of the presence of God. And isn't that what it takes sometimes in our lives? It takes that situation for us to really get down and dirty with the Lord. To really be one-on-one with Him. The third situation... Notice they had to be called out of the fiery furnace. The king called them out by name. They weren't rushing to come out. They were pretty content in that situation because they were with Jesus. Understand, they were in the presence of the living God. Who would want to leave that situation? As the world perceives it, wasn't how it was being lived by the three godly men. But the fourth situation, the effect it had on the ungodly. As they looked at the fiery situation these guys were going through. So when you and I are in trials... Understand, there are non-believers watching you. They're looking. They're observing what's going on in your life. I remember just the other day, the encouragement, and I told Josh and Kate when I came in, the encouragement, I didn't find out that their house or apartment had burnt down till the end of the service, when it was all over, like a half hour after it was over. And I said, Josh was going up to uh, help break down the music equipment. And I said, Josh, your apartment burned down? And I'll tell you, the way he answered me, I thought he just was given a brand new house the way he responded. 
He was so full of joy and peace. It was awesome. It was an encouragement to his brother. It was an encouragement to me how he was handling that adversity. And then Kate said something. She said that, you know, if you think about having a fire, think about having a fire right now, everybody. Your house is burning right now. Think the stress, the anxiety of, oh, no, you know, all my belongings, all my valuables, things that have uh, built up memories over all the years could be destroyed. And how you feel about that. But Kate said at the time, God gave us the grace that we needed to get through the situation. Boy, how true was that in this furnace back in Babylon for these three guys? And think of the effect that it had on them for the rest of their lives. The effect on these three guys the rest of their lives. What situation could be worse than they are going through right now? And how many times do you and I, when we're going through that trial, say, how are we going to make it through this? Can anything be worse? Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And boy, what a great object lesson for this. Talking about glowing and shining. These three guys were on fire for the Lord. And everybody took notice. You see, when a Christian goes through trials, goes through this fire, it's only God's way of purifying us. But you know what? For the non-believers, it's a way that fire is punishing, destroying, if they live through it. And then it's God's mercy and grace in trying to get their attention. But for you and me, it's not punishment. How many times have you heard because of a disaster that's happened in the family, whether it's natural or, you know, um, an illness or whatever, or an accident, that people say, well, you know, I think God's punishing me. That's a lie of the enemy. Our trials aren't punishments to us. Our punishment was settled at the cross. Jesus took our sins. He took our punishment. He's not going to throw that back. He's not an Indian giver. He's going to throw it back and now punish you. Jesus endured all the punishment that we could ever face. Think of fire again and think that the fire that destroys straw doesn't destroy gold or silver. The fire is the same, but the purpose in the application is different. Christians do suffer some of the same things as the ungodly. There's no doubt about that. No argument about that. Yet God's purpose and effect is different. 
Do you realize that the only hell we will ever know is here on this earth? The only heaven the lost will ever know is on this earth. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father, father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the lost The Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, we all know the great story of Moses, how for 40 years Moses was in line to be the next Pharaoh. He was somebody pretty important in the world's eyes. But God had so much love and and grace and mercy on Moses that it took a while for Moses to come to the point where he was even hearing God's voice. And I have to ask myself, and I throw it to you, have we heard God's voice to the point that he has gotten our attention, that we're listening it's a thing in sports we say, you hear, but you do not listen. You hear, even as a teacher, you hear, but you're not listening. You look, but you don't see. In other words, there's a degree where you're holding on to what's being said and saying, Lord, am I catching exactly what you want me to say Through your word. Well, Moses then goes on to be 40 years as a shepherd out in the desert. He's leading sheep. So he went from potential Pharaoh to a shepherd. A humbling thing. And they weren't even his own sheep. It was his father-in-law's. He couldn't even call them his sheep. But God was teaching him something during those 40 years out there. And then it was time for God to really get Moses' attention. And notice again, he uses that fire. He uses fire to get his attention. And I need to say this now. What is going on now in your life that the Lord is trying to get your attention What is that burning bush 
that God's trying to get you there so that you'll listen to what he has to say to you. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. You've got to remember, probably where Moses was, and it was so hot, there were so many bushes throughout the course of his lifetime in the desert that because of the heat, there was probably just fires, brush fires. And he saw bushes burn, and they were consumed. But this particular bush had a special attraction, drew his attention especially because it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. So it drew Moses' attention. Verse 3, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. He turned aside and went over to see this great sight. Why the bush wasn't burning. And here's... The, this is the key right now in verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. You see, it wasn't till he had Moses' undivided attention that God could speak to Moses and Moses could receive from him what was on God's heart. When Moses was that little baby in the bushel basket, God knew his plan for Moses. God knows his plan for you and me. The encouragement to everybody here, oldest to youngest, is that God is not through with us. As long as we have a breath of life, we have a tremendous impact that God wants to use us with in this world. Because there's a lot of men and women, boys and girls, like the guards who led Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego to that fiery furnace and are perishing. Can you imagine those guys? They led them into the furnace for them to die. They end up dying, and they're still in a fiery furnace today. They went from one hot spot to another in an instant. We're in a world that's perishing. But God has put each of us where he has to make an impact on those people who are being drawn to see us as a result of the Holy Spirit drawing them to him, to the Father, to Jesus. That is huge. That's happening every day. God finally gets Moses' attention. And he calls from the midst of the bush in verse 4, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I love it where he calls Moses' name twice. Remember, Moses went from potential Pharaoh to a no-name shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years. How blown away was Moses when he not only sees the bush burning, not consuming, but then he hears his name called twice. I'm a phys ed teacher. I see a kid. Jimmy! He might respond. But if I go, Jimmy! Jimmy! 
almost 100% of the time, bang, they're riveted. They've heard their name twice. You got my attention, coach. Well, Moses definitely heard the Lord, and the Lord had his attention. The Bible talks about our God being a consuming fire. Purifying the church, purifying his bride for the day that he will take us home to be with him. We open up with the verse, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Expect it. Expect it. The fiery trials come to purify us. The, dro- the dross on like the silver, the gold, is the impurity as it's going through the fire. All these impurities come to the surface that fall away, that are scraped away. So it's pure silver and pure gold. How much more precious are you and I to the Lord? And he's putting us through that fire. But the awesome thing is, he's sitting right at the mouth of the furnace, controlling what's going on. And you're not going to be tried more than you can handle. He knows your tolerance. He knows what you can handle, even though you think it's too much at the time. No sinner can endure God's fire. His holiness consumes all sin. But Jesus took our punishment. Now we can have peace within. God's holiness reveals what is good by consuming what is evil. The refining process may be very painful, but it's not going to destroy us. For the refiner sits by the furnace, tending the flame. He will not allow us to be tried beyond our endurance. It is for our good. But God is doing what matters. We are being refined. He is placing us into a crucible in which we acquire patience, meekness, humility, compassion, and the other quiet virtues our souls naturally lack. In wrapping up, this past month has been a very interesting one for me. I have been battling a viral infection and have had two series of blood tests taken, which is about seven vials of blood over two different periods of time, total of seven vials, trying to find out what's going on in my system. The symptoms are fatigue, like real quick, uh, sleeping disorder, digestive problems, Um, anxiety type of feelings. There's one more, but I probably am in denial for that one. But I'm five for five. I I hit every one on the mark. So I get um, the second set of blood results back, and I get a call at school, and I answer the phone, and they said, are you familiar with 
Epstein-Barr. And I said, I don't have the seventh grade class. She's the other phys ed teacher's student, probably. I had no clue what they were talking about. I didn't know what Epstein-Barr was. I find out it's a viral infection that's in my system that has those five um, symptoms. But here's the interesting part. I was trying to coach two varsity teams at once, 40 minutes apart, same season. Example, Friday, day after Thanksgiving, an 8 to 10 boys varsity practice. Two to four, a boys varsity practice. Get in my car, drive 40 minutes north for a girls varsity practice from 5.30 to 7.30. I know. Dumb. Dumb. That night, I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, and literally, this is my prayer. Jesus, you have to help me. I'm not handling this the way I thought I was going to be handling it. You need to solve this problem. I do not know what to do. Saturday, three sessions again. However, at the first session, which was the boys, I canceled the second session. Then I went to the girls' session right after that. Now, you have to understand something, that I never cancel a double session at the beginning of a season. That's the time of conditioning, trying to get everything in. That was a sign to me that I needed to do something. The doctor had said, Vinny, give up something that's taken a lot of energy. Well, basketball takes a lot of energy, a lot of passion and intensity. So what I ended up doing, I gave up the boys' varsity position at the school where I taught or have been teaching for 34 years and where I've been the varsity coach for the past seven years, but it was my third time around coaching the varsity. So it's like my 16th year coaching the varsity basketball team there. Huge. I went in Monday morning and told them that I was resigning from the basketball job. Everything worked out. God moved and put everything back in place. I'm doing the girl's job. But the point I'm trying to make is this. What I tried to do, God made it a fiery furnace for me. He put me in a situation where there was, I felt very bound. But he showed me some things. He made me reprioritize my life. And make it simpler. That's what he wants to do with all of us. With all the things you might be going through. And none of us are immune from it. So you and I are just like our brothers that will meet one day. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. God has favored us. We want to be just like Jesus. And Jehovah has helped us, is helping us, and will continue to help us. 
so that we can be on fire for him and draw the attention of a Christ-rejecting world. Let's pray. Be